Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Save the. I'm your host, A. Hubbard. And of course, we have a regular in the house, Apostle Carmen Cox. Yes. How are you doing today, Apostle Carmen Cox? I'm doing quite well now that I'm here. <laughs> I tell you, the enemy be behind it, don't Glad to be here. Yes, I'm so glad yes. to be here. Girl, he, I'd be like, anyway, sick of know God is sick. in control. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. But everybody, we're part of the um, tool side in the black community. Last did, I mean, we part one. And it was great. And I'm going to put the link in the chat. Um, last week's, you, if you didn't, if you missed the part one, then you definitely need to watch. It has some critical information. So make sure you all uh, check. And um, so, Apostle Cox, I. This time I am sit back again like I did last week because um you know this delicate subject and I want you to you know talk tell your testimony tell how you know your the, the way enemy tried to um attack you with this so I'm just sitting back apostle. I hear you. Yeah. Can you hear me good? You'd come through right. You can hear me good. Okay. Um, good evening, everyone. Um, I'm here on Save News. Um, I'm grateful to be here tonight. Um, like AZ said, to talk about this delicate subject, um, um, how it is um has attempted to plague our community. Um and uh just to bring awareness to the subject so people can get knowledge and, um, you know, do some, uh, take some preventative measures to, um, you know, just prevent this whole plague that's trying to, you know, overtake our community. So um, how did you want me to start, AZ? I want you to start uh, with best way you know you can't is uh, all about you okay so um with with this subject um it is a delicate subject and um it's one that definitely uh, when az the holy spirit allowed her to um it prompted her the holy spirit prompted her to bring awareness 
here on Save News. Um, I felt safe. I felt like this is a safe place to be able to share because she is a trusted friend of mine. However, um, that's not always been the case that I would be able to um, feel safe to even share my story. Um, however, um, whenever I was going through what I was going through um, many years back, um, there was not there was not a whole lot of uh, uh, press or, or media attention or uh, just re ready available knowledge about mental health. And with me being a believer and being in the church, um, it was um, even less accessible to me. Um, and when I say less accessible to me, I mean, even in the realm of faith and my belief, um, many things uh, concerning even just regular illnesses, let alone mental illness, was um, not something that we talked about regularly, except for if it was in the realm of rebuking something. So it wasn't it wasn't something that you just would just readily share if if you were depressed or you were going through a bad spell mentally, because because the the way that people would uh, I guess uh, bring scripture or bring teachings it was like you have to have faith to overcome so you know how can i be oppressed how can i be depressed and i'm a leader and so how can i you know i'm supposed to be helping others you know so i would um over time i would go through all of those emotions over time and um it should it's important that people understand that this is uh these things build up um, a lot of times whenever you get to the point of, you know, making a plan or trying to harm yourself, um, it is a buildup of things that have been occurring for quite some time. And um, you just like get burned out emotionally or mentally. So um, at that time in my life, I was going through a divorce. And um, I was growing, going through... Um, infidelity um I, I was just going through a lot in my marriage and in my home and because i was a believer um in, at that time at my juncture or i guess my uh level of maturity i just take i just took it so i just took it to heart because in my mind i was just like lord everything that you asked me to do i've done but yet you know, this individual that has vowed to be there for me has just totally rejected me. And um, I mean, it, it wasn't just one time. So I still want to keep saying that it's not like just one time. These things build up over time and you you go to God and you maybe talk to a, a trusted friend or you, you know, you just kind of self-absorb everything. I was really good at self-absorbing things. And um, it just built up. And so um, at the point in time when I was, you know, at the point where I was done, it came, it came, it came so strong emotionally because by that time, not only had the situation done damage, but then I began to self-medicate, right? Um, I began to do things like to, you know, make it worse, you know, actually, um, you know, I can look back down and say, I really, I, I let go of my trust in the Lord because it, 
it was like I felt abandoned by God. I felt abandoned by my husband. And when um things get like that, it's just like you blaming everybody at this point. Like nobody, you know, it becomes like a a, a collaboration of you know people that just are not there for me. And so um what happened was I got really isolated. I moved across to the west, near to the west coast. And I just became real isolated in my sorrow and my troubles and what I was going through. And matters just got keep matters just kept getting worse and worse. And um, and so the the night in question, I remember being on the phone with my best friend in um Atlanta, Georgia. I was living in Colorado. Um, so I was on the phone. I had been on the phone with my mom in North Carolina at some point of the night. And then I got on the phone with my friend in Atlanta and I was just sobbing and crying and just done. And I kept saying to her, I'm just tired. I'm so tired. I just, you know, I'm tired. And I just, I just remember feeling so done. And I didn't never say I wanted to die, but I did. I had this notion of like, if I can just go and I can just sleep through this portion of my life and wake up in another situation, then this, that would be the best solution. Um, and um, um, not to mention, you know, my children were there that night with me and I was in the bathroom on my, on the phone, with my friend in Atlanta. And I remember um, just crying and telling her, I'm just so tired. Just, I just really wish I could rest. I really, I could sleep through this. And I remember um, having a bottle of uh, codeine. I don't even know. I think I had it for maybe a cough, but it was a bottle of like codeine that I had in the bathroom. And I remember asking my son, um, who's now a senior in college, I was like, could you go get me a sip of water, a glass of water? He went and got the glass of water, brought it back, closed the bathroom door, and... um, I just took the whole bottle. It was about full bottle coating. And, um, Mm. you know, and I was still on the phone with, I was still on the phone with my friend and she was trying to talk me through the best she knew how. But at that point, I was kind of like not really verbal. And so she was like, Carmina, you know, she was on the phone and I'm like, you know, it's okay. You know, I'm just really like, it's okay. Cause really I was done. And um, mm-hmm. I just remember like, at that point when I, t- when I took the pills, um, I immediately had a allergic reaction. I mean, to the point that as that. soon huh? I didn't hear you. I, go ahead. I, I had a, I, had an allergic reaction as soon as I took those pills and I began to like my whole body just broke out in hives and I was itching real bad real bad and I was like Ray you know my you know my friend I call her Ray I said Ray you know something is happening and I just remember it was like hot hives just hot hives and she was like what's going on I said I I just took these pills I just took a whole bottle of codeine and she was like what Carolina, and I want to say within ten less than ten, there was somebody banging at my door. 
and it was good to be Lance. So from Atlanta to North Carolina to Colorado, less than 10 minutes, somebody was banging at that door. And they came in the bathroom. You know, my kids didn't know what was going on. My my actually my uncle was there. They they come in the bathroom, they like dragged me out of the bathroom and they put me on a stretcher. But it was I, the only way I can describe it was hot hives. And it was from my like my head to my toe. Just hot hives. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm and I'm still in like distress, crying, but I was itching. And I, I remember my daughter, who's now like 26. She just had her first kid. I remember her because I have I, at that time I had four children. She said this one thing. She said, "Y'all, y'all come on, y'all come on." Now she's not the oldest. Let's and I was on the stretcher, and they, she said, "Let's get around, Mama. Let's hold hands, get around, Mama, and pray." And Jasmine led her siblings into a prayer about me. And after that, they took me out on the stretcher. So. It was it was very traumatic. Um, matter of fact, this is my first time telling this story <laughs> on any type of live. Really, I've never told this. Only people that know this story is my family. Um, but I knew that it was time to tell it um, because of who I am in the kingdom. And, um, you, you know, maybe mis, mis, um, misperceptions about people that are serving in the kingdom, you know, maybe they don't understand that we have we have all been through some things that the Lord have delivered us from and are still going through things that God is keeping us in or keeping us while we're still in it. And, um, you know, it was just a, a very traumatic section of my life that is the one of the main reasons why I believe the way I believe because I do believe that God saved my life it was not time for me to go anywhere it was a cry for help and um just grateful for you know my friend who is still my friend today that, that was alert and she was able to keep me alert as best she could until the point where she realized that I had taken the pills and she needed to call somebody else. So, yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, last week, stated, um, that, well, part one, Ms. Heron stated that there was just this pain um, before the act. Was yours you know, yours were mental pain that, that brought you to that point. Yeah, I was meant, I was, I was mentally exhausted, um, from years mm -hmm. of rejection on many levels. Um, many times not expressed because I was never in a place where I could just share, but I had been rejected nearly my whole life. So it's like rejection. Mm -hmm. And just was a part of my my narrative from um, being bullied in school from the age of probably nine all the way up to I was like 14. Um, so it's, I'm, I'm, it's literally. And so then, you know, the I 
the bullying and and then the bullying actually shaped me as a young person in regards to my self-esteem because my parents mm. were very um very um uh serious about uh self-esteem and in the home they built our self-esteem but when i went out into the the world and school i remember just not ever being accepted and being uh, picked on and had nicknames. Like there were names that were named for me that followed me for years. And mm -hmm. I would have to go to school and be called names. My mom would have to go to the school and ask them, could y'all stop? Could y'all put measures in place so that my daughter is not coming home crying every day? Like this is from fourth and fifth grade, right? So think that shaped me as a young person into coming into you know my ad adolescent years into adulthood and and when i started looking back and mapping it i realized that the bullying is actually what was the first like injury because none of that happened mm -hmm. in the home my parents were advocates of you know high self-esteem and academic success and things like that so it did not originate in my home um, but at school, yes, it had a major impact on me as a young person to the point, AZ, that uh, recently one, I had a teacher that um, named me a name that followed me like four years. And um, mm -hmm. I was so, you know, it, I just can't even describe the going to school and being called names. I'm talking about not even at school. If they saw me at, at the store, whatever. They'd be like, what's up? And I'm not even going to say the name that they call me. No, don't was, say it. Don't say it. <laughs> you just would yeah you wouldn't believe it um but i went through that for years az my husband to this day we were classmates and he remembers the days he remembered the, mm -hmm. the exact day i was named that name and teacher that named me right mm -hmm. so i went through years of just that and then you know trying to become a, a teenager and a woman and just you know i i traced it back and i realized it started with the bullying but i didn't have um maybe one teacher when i was in the fifth grade um took was well, sixth grade took measures to uh like accommodate me for the game and um what they used to do they used to this is not the other name but they used to pick on my gap and i still have a gap but when i was younger i was I think like that's kind of beautiful and so what happened yeah, I love my gap. I, I I won't close my gap because um, it started with the gap. I'm telling you, it started with the gap. And um, they would pick on me because of the gap. I was like foot tooth. I was skinny, Jerry Curl with foot teeth, yes. But, um, and I was different. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I was just different. And I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, don't know why, but was my class... It, uh, when we will have writing prompts, like say for instance Thanksgiving, we come back for Thanksgiving and we're writing writing prompts about, about what we did on Thanksgiving. Well, a certain time, every when I and I'm not exaggerating, Angie, every single writing prompt was about me and my gap. I'm talking about from because I, because I was gap man in the, and I was the queen of gap land. And so everything became, um, well, she was eating a turkey and it got stuck in her gap. And this happened and her, it got stuck in her gap. And it was just like, 
every single time we were in class it was it was a story and they weren't saying saying it but they were reading these stories and it was about me and my gap and so I, every day i would go home wow. sad and crying and my mom was like um what's going on and i was told like nobody likes me in school <laughs> and it was this one boy that was like the ringleader and so what happened after after my mom got hold of it um she she the teacher took me out of class one day and she addressed the classroom and said that this has to stop because it's affecting her you know and it, it did it really affected me so you know people like now that i look at it i'm telling you az you don't i i didn't even realize how how much it affected me but it affected me because mm. my mom was like my child is sad, sad every day she would have to go walk me to the bus get me off the bus she would have to like guard me because it was just like this kid she doesn't even you know and so that kid that would um that would pick on me he got in trouble and it was like his um reinforcement or rehabilitation was to find things about me that were nice and find oh, things wow. and find ways to be nice to so wow. that was his that punishment, was, that was awesome. And I remember, yeah, I remember because it was that bad that they had to, like, try to rehabilitate him also. Right. Because he's a because kid. Because he was just so bad. bent on. Just me off. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't. But that's trauma and, is still um, there. And so it was. Yeah, it does. Because you know why? Because it wasn't until as of late when I traced back when my self-esteem started going wrong and why why I, I began to allow some things in my life that I probably shouldn't have. Where did it come from? I needed to find the root of it. And then when I realized it was the bullying, because I could not find it in my mom or my dad or my grandparents like they didn't treat me no kind of way you know even though I, you know siblings have rivalry but it wasn't like my mom treated me bad or they didn't pump us up they always encouraged us as little girls but it was school it was the bullying that shaped me as who you know i became as a woman and and i mean a teenager as a, and as a woman because you know you begin to try to find your identity at some point while you're in school and and then in my identity in order for me to be accepted it's almost like i had to reinvent myself to get away from um, um the stigma of the name calling and so i i can't say that what was created was the best thing but it was the best thing i could do to make it through through school so yes so um when you I I, I want I don't want to hurt, but I'd want to um have an opportunity for those that might be going through this now or have it to be able to relate. That day, you know, you trace it back to its origin. That day that that you were in your restroom getting ready to take heels. 
what was it that pushed you to that? Um, but it seems like you wanted to live because you called your friend. What, I mean, could you expand on that a little bit? Yes. Um, well, like I said before that, I had um, been like self-medicating. Um, I had started drinking alcohol. And um, that was one thing that I used to try to like make myself pass out and just be not be present in the moment. Um, although I was uh, working a job and, you know, I was there with my kids. I was just functioning as almost like a robot because of the responsibilities that I had, but I was not well in my mind. And so the things that, like I said, the things that I started doing in order to so-called help God or just to be mad at God or how my life has turned out, it it turned on me. It, it flipped on me. And then I began to be so sorrowful to the point where anything could set up. And it was just like, uh, gas. Uh, this is a good example or analogy. Like gasoline was already on me, so all that it took was one thing, one match, to light it up. And um, so right. so that's where I was. I had already gasoline was all over me. It was it was I was already doused down. So um, I I can't recall the night like the exact thing that happened that night, but the match was lit and it was just like, I'm done. Right. Like I, I, I just need to sleep. I just need to, I'm, I'm done. Like what else, like what else can happen? Like, you know, and, it, and it was, it's just so overwhelming. And, and I, and I had, um, AZ, you know, and this is why I'm glad you're doing this is because we need to be educated I had family members to say, girl, you won't try to kill yourself. Because if you wanted to kill yourself, you would have killed yourself. Lord. And I'm like, wow. What a thing to say. It wasn't, oh, my God, I didn't know you were going through like this. It was just like, what, you know, and that could have been coming from a place of just being angry at me for even attempting it. But the point is, yes, the verbiage. You know, when, when you're depressed, the whole thing is you're already depressed, low. Right. You don't need nothing to bring There's you down. There's no low. more. There, you you already at nothing. the floor. I mean, There's I'm no you. else. When you're right. depressed, Where else can bottom. I go? Where and else? I was. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so. Uh, and so, you know that it, it was i was experiencing pain every day because because you know anybody that is in love with somebody or love somebody and and you get betrayed you know over time like i said it's not one event then you you have already exhausted all of the possibilities you know and for for me as a believer mm -hmm. even the possibilities of scripture according to scripture i've done um, mm -hmm. And I've done according to the natural, you know, to try to be still married with my husband. And, um, you know, it, it was a lot of trauma because it was, you know, 
another woman involved that would, you know, antagonize our family. So it was so much trauma involved that I just could not escape. I could not escape. Yes. When I say, when I say, when I say, another woman that antagonized i mean even if my husband flew to colorado to be with us like if we were on a, on the on the uh room saying uh, we're going to work out our marriage she will find a way to find out where we were in colorado and start begin to call my home right here and this to begin to call have her i'm sorry this person, but your ex-husband, ma'am, what did you say? It broke up. This, right, not your current husband, Apostle Rico. I want to make clear. No, ma'am. Yes, my ex-husband. Yes, my ex-husband. Yes. And like I said, it was another woman, and it was so bad in that first marriage. In that moment. Um, and we, we were, um, you know, in the church and we, we were, you know, in the church heavy, but it was so bad that if he did try to come home to reconcile with his family, with me, um, whether he was in North Carolina or, or Colorado, some kind of way, which now I know it's probably him that was opening up the door, but she would call my home and, um, call my home, have her family members call my home. And even in moments, even sometimes have family members knock on my door. Um, and then we will have people shining lights in our window. So we will have people um, uh, telling us in, in the, like while we're riding, going to the grocery store and stuff, people were following us. So like when I say that it wasn't, yeah, people have their stories, but this was just bizarre, right? This was bizarre. Who who does that? Yes. Like, you're following us everything we do every day. And um, I remember one time we came home. Well, I came home to a wedding from Colorado. The individual, the other woman, AZ, she went to every hotel in Goldsboro, North Carolina, until she saw the one where our car was at. And she pretended like she was trying to like like already knew we were there that's how she got the room number and she come knock on the door and we we were just coming home for a wedding and you know my my husband at that point had came to see the children and she literally went from because we saw her scaling like um uh what you call it when you're pacing back and forth or you're um looking for somebody she we saw her and we drove past because it was like is this really happening is that this is like some on some TV lifetime movie network stuff? You're talking about right? a major and I'm stalker. like, I can't believe it. right that part. And so, I mean, when I tell you, I was, I was, I had actually in that in that time period, I had two nervous breakdowns. So when I when I took the pills, that was one time that's automatic 72 hour holds. Because they consider that even though I didn't say I want to die, I want to kill myself, I did something that could have killed me. So that's automatic 72-hour hold. I was on 72-hour hold um, in Colorado, 
uh, my uncle was there helping me with the kids, but I was away pretty much from all of my family. And then the second time um, was when the, the, the woman, you know, came to the hotel when I was home for a wedding and I, and I, and I was so, I didn't try to kill myself, but my body shut down. And um, what I mean by that is I lost, I, I began to lose my mental capacity even to the point of my bowels and my bladder. So I remember, and I even remember mm. in that moment, one of my family members like, I can't believe you're doing this. Now I'm on the floor peeing on myself, crying, balled up in a ball. And I hear somebody say, I can't believe you're doing this. You're stronger than this. Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. So... Mm. It was so on so many levels. I had no help, nobody just to say, even like now, you know, being able to get the mental health first aid training, that wasn't, that wasn't a thing, you know, so we didn't have people, there was no education. So if, if someone sees us, what they feel deem as a strong person breaking all the way down, losing their total mental capacity, they are there. They don't know what to do, I'm sure. But clearly, to be sure, it can't be to just make it worse. You know, right. it, it wasn't making it better. Right. And I just remember <clears throat> just like I could just feel like my everything just leaving. Like, OK. Like Carmina's getting ready to check out. It was almost like you you getting ready to check out, you know. And I remember after that right. moment, um, my my husband at that point. Had, had to drive me back home, drive me back to the West Coast, which is my home at the time. And I remember crying so much. I think that's why I don't cry now that much. Like I cried mm. so much that my eyes became dry. Every mm. time I breathe, AZ, I cried. I ain't lying. Every time I breathe, I started, tears would drop. I breathe, tears would drop. That's how depressed I was. So that's why I and look at people, you know, when they judge. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. Yeah, that's why, you know, Go I ahead. have a lot of compassion. Okay. I have a lot of compassion for, um, you know, people, especially women. That go through um, infidelity and things. Have strong a strong ministry towards that, and a lot of uh, um, and not even just you just 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 being misused in a relationship. Period. But but it comes from a place of, I, girl, I've been there. It's not judgmental at all. And most women that I do minister to, they say, I, I you just don't don't have no judgment. Cause how can I? How can I judge? This was my life at one point. I went through this. God brought me out. Yes. But it was a gradual process over time. How I came out. Because I had to come to grips with some things. And I had to obey God in some things. And, um, mm. you know, but I, I, I had been crushed. You know, I had been crushed. And, and then over time, God just, you know, let me know. He even let me know where I erred. And not only that, the, the mental health professionals let me know where I had errored. 
because that was a part of me getting better. And um, I remember one of the last sessions that um, my my then husband was in on this session because of the psychiatrist, like, I want to talk to this man, right? And so he, he came in and um, he told him this one thing. He said, you know what? Because um, I was at that time, I was diagnosed with situational depression. And it was basically what it says, because of the situation of the divorce and the things going on in the family, then it has caused this to happen. And he told my then husband, he said, you know what would help her? He said, if you just leave her alone for good, just just remove <clears throat> yourself from this her time to process everything that has happened so far, she will heal faster. And that's what had to happen. I, it, it had to be not just me letting go because some people, you know, don't want to let go either, but they want to live this life and they want to have this life too. But it was, no, just the psychiatrist told him, leave her, leave her alone. Just, mm -hmm. just, oh, just okay. I thought you said that your season. ex husband told the psychiatrist that. Mm. So the psychiatrist no, told no, ma'am, it was a psychiatrist. Absolutely, that okay. was a part of the plan for there to be no contact because every time there was contact, it was open, it was just opening back up every single time. Mm -hmm. So, so I had to go through that and. And then now that I'm even saying it, my kids had to go through that. And they didn't yeah. have they didn't have nobody to talk to about it. Right. Now, when that night happened, I want to go back a little bit. And you were in the hospital. Walk me through that process before you got to the counseling. Um, did they um, bring you? To did they medicate you? Did they immediately bring you counsel? What was done? Now we know that this it was several years ago, and there's more still. Well, I remember it. I remember everything that happened. I remember them taking me on the ambulance, and the first place that I went to was the ER because I. I had to take the charcoal, the charcoal solution because I had ingested all those pills. And so the charcoal um, basically coats your insides and um, helps you excrete the, if it would have been poison to you, because I was already in hives. Um, it, anytime you ingest back then, they will always use the charcoal solution. And I remember it's just black liquid, just you had to drink the whole thing. And for days on end, you know, every time you use a bathroom, you know, that way you will see the black charcoal. But it was intended mm. to, you know, coat your insides and help you excrete any poisons that the, the medicine or, you know, because I said I took codeine, but they didn't know that, you know, it could have been anything, you know. Um, right. So I do remember going through that process and then they 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 took me to the actual mental health floor um and they it's like an in whole in processing situation where you have to you know all your belongings you have to put on their clothes and you get assigned a room and you get assigned a group and everything is processed and then after that you kind of just you know lay low in your room and and then they 
kind of schedule you for um they want you to start talking but the first talking is in groups it's not individual talking they want you to to actually um take the initiative to come out your room to be a part of groups and then you know you see your your counselor and your psychiatrist and they you know work with you and you know for those three days that's pretty much now if if i would have exhibited signs of not non-improvement then they would have had to extend my time. And I believe I was there longer than 72 hours, maybe five days. And in those in those days, you know, I was able to contact family, clergy, because um, um, I would, you know, my family was very, very much calling every day. And I would also like to mention that um, my good friend um, and my uh, ministry colleague, that's still with me to this day. Nisi was on that phone some days. She is the one person that that knew everything that's going on in my life. And then also um, everybody in, in our region should know Apostle Jackie London. But Apostle Jackie London was on that phone also in my crisis. Like when I had got admitted, involuntarily admitted. So I did after the fact, you know, people, of course, were alarmed. Like what in the world is happened, you know, um, and and so, you know, all I could tell them was that this is I've been like this for a while. I've been like this for a while, y'all. Y'all just don't know. I, I've been keeping stuff, you know, I've been suffering silently for a long time. I mean, this is not just a new. Could It's a little bit choppy. Now, what did you say? Frozen and choppy a little bit. About okay. See. Yeah, you're you're frozen and choppy too. About what? Prophecy and um also run. You said Nisi, Prophet Nisi. I'm not. I'm not getting your full signal. Okay, just keep talking. Don't worry about me. You just keep talking. Okay. So, so like I was saying, um, you know, there were people that were calling up there once they realized, you know, and you know, my mom, you know, dad, and um, Apostle London, um, and uh, you know, people that knew, but they just had no idea that it was that serious because I never, I definitely suffered silently a lot. I did a lot of late night crying, a lot of, a lot of self, like almost like blaming myself, right. For the things that were happening and that I could have done this different and I could have, and you know, you know, what is going to happen to my children and, and the weight, the weight AZ, of what I had going on was because of my children. That was really the bulk of it because I was so angry that you get to leave me. You get to go and do these shenanigans, right? But I get to stay here and figure things out with these children. And that was never, that was never what I signed up for. So I did have some anger too, because I was like, I didn't sign up for that. Um, you know, that's not, that's not. And so I, 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 the bulk of it, 
definitely was because of my children. And I felt mm-hmm. so sorry for my children, you know, and then even, even, you know, sometimes now, every now and then I'll go through that. And, you know, the Lord have helped me navigate over, over the years, helped me navigate through that because I've always felt such a heavy weight for my children and because of what they had to witness and because of what they saw me go through. And I was just like, man, you know, and so, you know, of course, you know, the Lord's like, you're going to just have to let that go so you can live because you have committed your children. You have yeah. turned them over to me. I don't know how many times. And and you just going to trust me that the, that seed that was put in there, that, that incorruptible seed is going to manifest one day. Right. And um, so over time, my children are very resilient. But at the same time, I would see certain things that I knew were were a result of the trauma that they never had anybody to talk to about you know so yeah now um for someone that's going through this situation or feel like they're at that point what type of advice would you give them The best advice that I can give someone is to make sure that you have an accountability person Um, because I don't know how things would have turned out if I didn't have my accountability person. So in that moment, yeah, I had my parents and they were always checking on me and the kids, but you know, that person that was like, really, are you okay? Because she was really in a mode like, you're not yourself. She picked up on already that I wasn't in the same frame of mind. And that's why she kept me on the phone. And um, I I just know, I just know, because she was just like, okay, how are you? You know, she was extra chatty. And she was really, you know, she always took the time to minister to me as a woman as a mom and um and like i said that accountability piece i think everybody should have an accountability person that knows you not just in the natural but in the spirit i'll ask you this one of the things that she spoke on part was to just if you see someone that you suspect um that my issues are going through to ask them directly um are you considering hurting yourself are you, well, i mean just direct are you um planning on suicide if someone would have asked you that prior to in the restroom if you were on the phone with someone and someone had Knowledge to ask you that because she said that because it was startling to me to be so direct. Would you have been uh, shared your time? I I don't think at that moment I would have because I was really not sharing a lot. So if someone would have asked me that, right. I probably wouldn't have said anything. I wouldn't know. Okay. 
So I guess it's based on each individual person. Right. Yes. Okay. That's a very poignant thing because we want to be able to give people the tools um, if they're going through it or if they're realizing it's going through it. Let me ask you this also, right. the things prior to the situation happening. Did were, did you find yourself starting giving away your clothing, your personal items and things that uh, matter to you? Because I really, at that moment, I was in, I didn't have a whole lot. <laughs> we didn't have anything. Right, we, but I literally lost my house. I didn't have anything. All I had was my kids and the few clothes that we had. Um, I didn't have anything. I just found myself, like I said, really, really self-medicating and really, really just going in a downward spiral, just, just in life, just working, but drinking, um, doing things that I had no business doing and just, just literally just add an insult to injury. It was already bad. And I just was just in that mode of just, just like, I'm just going to do this then because it can't get no worse, but it did get worse. So I don't think that um, my actions had, I had like someone really taken notice of me, I probably wouldn't went that far. But like I said, I, the reason why I moved away from the East coast was because I was trying to, not go to jail because I felt like right. it was getting ready to escalate to something crazy because old girl was talking to us. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I just right. left. I just left because I was like, someone's going to get hurt, you know, because I had already contemplated some other things, not hurting myself, you know what I'm right. saying? But right. I said, I told my father, I got to go. I got to go. Cause somebody's somebody's gonna get somebody not gonna make it through this. Cause it was too much. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be at my house. You don't. Right. The mistress don't and come to folk house. The mistress don't follow right. folk. Right. And one thing that you said you were diagnosed with was situational depression. So. Yours the situation at that time, although you many go leading from your child to bullying, that's where it started. But you know, um, a, a lack of self worth within yourself, not due to anything your parents did, but due to the environment of the school system. I mean, the classroom and the children that bullied you. And so it just progressed through life yeah. to that day you, correct? I didn't hear that last part. I said, escalated it to the point from all of your life, from childhood of the bullying, not anything due to your parents or anything like that, but throughout your life, but that day, rest was your day, correct? 
Right. Right. Yeah. Now, when you, what, and I'm, I'm not, I wanted to be able to get this in. I know I said, you know, what advice would you give? But what did you out of that situation? Because <clears throat> both are children of God. And we know prayer changes everything. And, but you, but sometimes you need counseling. Sometimes medication, depending on the situation of how you're diagnosed with depression or whatever. There should be no shame in that. So what was the thing for you that got you pulled out of your situation? Um, I, I did do counseling and it helped some, but to be honest, it was the medication. Um, because at mm -hmm. that at that time my emotions were so unstable that I'm telling you, every time I breathe, I cry. Like it was an automatic mm -hmm. response. And I was like, what? You know, like, you know, so definitely it was the medication. And I know it was the medication even even more so because my father was not a proponent of just, you know, anything mental health, which we understand that's a stigma that has, has been in our community. However, when that, that happened to me, my father was calling to Colorado. Did you take your medicine? Did you take your medicine? Because he realized that I was in jeopardy. Like, I could have been here. And so he, my dad himself began to advocate me taking my medicine every day. And um, and so it was just huge because he he was he was on it. Did you did you take your medicine? Because I was too far from home for anyone to touch right. me or, you know, get to me. So he's just making sure that I was safe and that, you know, I would, you know, would not be harmed or harm, try to harm myself. So that's why he was like that. And so the medicine did work temporarily, but as I regained, um, you know, come back and, you know, got myself together and regained my relationship with the Lord, like I should, and began to really, put my mind back on the Lord, the less I needed the medication. Um, because really mm -hmm. the medication was supposed to try to like stabilize my mood. Um, and then some of that um, medicine, it takes a long time to work. And then sometimes it stops working. And, um, and, it's, and then a lot of it, I didn't even like the way it made me feel because I felt like I had no emotions and that I was too, too happy, you know? So so I began to call it like the happy mm -hmm. pill. And my, and my, you know, I was like, yeah, I got to go take the happy pill. And I'm like, because I became just too happy, right? I didn't, I, I was not, I didn't mm -hmm. have no range of emotion. It just took away the right. one of the emotions and that wasn't real, you know? So I was like that, you know? So over time, I just realized that the way that I'm going to have to live, I'm going to have to live with my mind stayed on Jesus because that's the way I'm set up, you know? You know, and so the more and more I I I grasped that concept and began to just work on my building my relationship with God and then really began to learn how to love me, see who I really am beyond all the things, all the labels, everything that was told to me. 
And so over time, I've I've just been able to build myself up as a woman, a mother, a daughter, um, who God called me to be, a wife, you know, all these things, all these compartments. And, you know, you know, the Lord, I, I tell you, I know it's the Lord that have regulated me in the areas of my mind where I was low about myself. Because when I was low about myself, it was a lot of things that I allowed that I shouldn't allow. Um, right. So, yeah. So, again, I um, want to open the floor to you <clears throat> to speak to the whether you went through a situation that you feel like, you know, you bottom of, and there's no, no whether you know someone that could possibly be through that again of the suicide prevention hotline number and text number been up there please do not be ashamed if you're in this situation to uh, reach out to those resources but uh apostle i want you to you know, speak to, you know, there should be no shame, especially in the Christian community. I know sometimes we put that and in the black community, there's stigma, but we have to overcome that because too many um, people taking a dying by suicide. And so we must do something to intervene. So I want you to speak to them and also um, pray. Um, for those that's going through or know someone that's going those that might have lost um loved one due to that please okay um uh, first of all i would like to say to that um is that we have arrived at a place in time where thank, thank the lord that we have advanced to the point where we can bring this um to the realm of believer however um in the realm you know when i came through this situation that this was absolutely not talking talked about in church or in family right so there were it wasn't accessible right and you know so much so that like i said before the faith teaching the, the faith teaching itself did not lend any room for someone like me to even be able to express. So I give God praise that that's really not the case anymore. And like AZ said, um, we definitely got to bust through that that film of, of that stigma in, in two realms. Like that's so important, the church and our, our culture, right? So now we're here, we have um, information that is accessible we have tools we have uh the internet we have things now we can like grab hold of these things and if you don't have anybody else um trust and believe you got us you got us you got me we get you got it's people you can always yeah. come through in my inbox and so i don't want anyone to feel alone and um just as recent as this as couple days ago I had got a text message about this, you know, someone that had contemplated it and I had, and I had to walk her through and make sure that this wasn't a, a remote possibility at this time, you know, um, but we get opportunities to, to, to be a blessing, to minister to people, 
You don't have to be a minister to minister to people. You don't have to have a title to minister to people. But if you just take the time to feel and feel what other people are feeling or notice a slight change in one of your family members or just like, oh, they don't look quite right or they're talking different or anything like that. That's just a start of a conversation that could save someone's life, literally. So let us let us break through that film mm-hmm. of pride of, oh, I don't want to be in their business. Let us even break through the um, dysfunction, dysfunctional phrases of, oh, what goes on in the house stays in the house. That Those are um, uh, terms and phrases that have kept us kind of bound and kind of like bound to dysfunction. And so um, those are the type of things that we want to dispel from our, from our, even our verbiage. And yeah, there's family, family uh, privacy and things like that, but we should teach our children that anytime you feel in danger or you think your parent is in danger or someone in your, in your immediate, um, you know, reach is in danger. Here's the numbers. Like the numbers need to be provided y'all, you know? Um, and so I just thank the Lord for this yes. platform. I thank the Lord for AZ being sensitive to the Holy Spirit um, and even for being for us being divinely aligned in this moment so I can have a safe platform to share. Because up until now, I'd never had a platform safe enough for me to share. So this is a appointed time, a Kairos moment for me. Um, and I think it's also a Kairos moment for AZ. Um, but I'm just grateful. And Father, I just thank you for everyone, Father, that may be listening and those that may come through and listen later, that you will provide a, a safety net, an um, angelic host, a safety net, Father, um, for those who, who have been through some of the roads that I've been through, um, who have lost family members um, from COVID, who have lost husbands or wives in divorce, who have lost any suffered any type of loss, God, because there is a whole, um, you know, teaching on just loss and the steps to losing and the steps to grieving, Father, that we as a people need to educate, Father. So we thank you for science. We thank you for technology. We thank you for blessing those uh, that are called to the realm of science and technology, God, that you have given them the knowledge. God, to be able to give it to society so we can begin to save lives. The name of the game is saving lives. Father, we we thank you that that your your goal, you don't even want anybody to be lost. So why would we want anybody in our family or anybody at our job or anybody anywhere to just lose their life when we could actually prevent it? So we thank you, Lord, for even the the measures we thank you for this platform we thank you lord for the 1-800 number we thank you for the the workers on the on the line father we thank you for the mental health providers we thank you for the clergy god that will even take the time to educate themselves father in this realm of of mental health and suicide and 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 how god can intervene and also how we can refer people out to get help if that's what's needed. But we just don't want to ever come through in judgment, Father. We want to open our hearts to listen. We want to open our hearts to, to be the hands, open our hearts to and, and use our hands, God, to heal people. We don't want to hurt people. 
And so when people are hurting, Father, help us not to cause more injury, God, to the to the event. And so we thank you for even a sensitivity in the spirit. God, Lord, let this sensitivity, even that AZ has, that, that God is letting her tap into the, the times and to be sensitive what's going on in our times, Father. Let that be named among us so that we can be able to reach people in this world and be able to have an open door to share the gospel. So, Lord, we thank you now, God, for, for everything and how you have divinely assigned us um, and divinely orchestrate things, Father, um, for for you to, not like you're, you're a glory hog, but it's going to lend to people getting healed, set free, and delivered, Father. And we thank you that souls will be added to the kingdom because of this awareness. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Well, Apostle, I just, <clears throat> excuse me. I thank you so much for sharing your story because you did too. I I pray that it be a blessing to someone that when they hear it, if they're at that point or they know someone at that point, that they'll reach out and call 800 number or text the eight the number or or text us. You know we got professional or dial 911 we don't want this apostle prayed uh, and the lord to be lost to this and um apostle i i just your your compassion your love that you shared um of your story and i believe that people will be delivered from bring this your your testimony Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. God I love you. I love you too. Well, everyone. Yeah. I just feel so honored that the Lord to share so freely. Because I must have been hard and we didn't even touch the surface on uh -huh. some things that I'm sure that we could have went a whole lot deeper and we would be here till, you know, next week. <laughs> and, you know, but that's the thing. Yeah. Because we know to about what hurt you in life. I don't care what it is. Whenever you're able to share it, that means that's, that's healing. Yes. That's healed. Totally healed. Mm -hmm. You know, Yes, God. there's no condemnation, there's nothing holding you to any that's fully healed. Yes. When you're able to share it with others and thank God thank for you. And um and one you, you all know, especially a situation is I can broadcast without you to give your Lord your heart on uh, Yeshua, the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask it's very simple. Ask come into your heart, be your Lord and personal savior, and thank yes. him for writing your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if yes. you are back slide, remember that God is married to the slime back into the kingdom of God, because it's gonna happen at any time. And we want to be able to give an opportunity for you to receive the Lord. 
And we thank you all so much for spending time in your day. We ask you to please share, like this video. This is something, um, again, I, I'll put the um, part one in. A topic like this is something that needs to be shared throughout our community. Every community, it needs to be said. It needs to be going out. But we all need to be sensitive and know things to say, not to say, to recognize um, someone is going through that. And I just thank God for giving you strength and the protection, the hedge protection that's, that was around you. And, you know, just listening to you, just beautiful, especially when you said that the, you took the pills and, and you learned your action. You know, that, that was, that was it's not today. Not, not today. today. That was what God was saying. Not today, Satan. Not oh, today. Yeah. Mm -mm. But I am so, you know. But mm. anyway, Lord, y'all, thank you again. And uh, again, the number has been use it if need be. God bless everybody. Love you. Love you too.